As we come to God's word this morning, let us come as Jesus would have, who said the Shema at least three times a day, and certainly before reading scripture. So would you join with me as we share first in Hebrew and then in English. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You may be seated. The reading for today comes from Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 15 through 20. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what is the Lord's will. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Sing and make music, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, as we enter into this time of reflection and meditation on your word, I I pray that you would speak to us, O Lord. That it would not be my words that are heard this morning, but yours that you would use me as an instrument of your peace and your grace, and that my sisters and brothers would be receptive to what you have for them, God. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise for you alone are worthy. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. Well, good morning. It's early. I know. I get it. I get it. I'm usually not up this early, not even on Sundays. But it's great to be here, right? It's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be experiencing life anew. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay. My name is Robert Ortiz. I'm the pastor at Asbury UMC, uh, Asbury Church. And for those of you that, that don't know, back in 2012, Asbury merged with Alamo Heights. So we are a satellite campus of Alamo Heights. And we are so grateful for that opportunity to be part of the Alamo Heights family. Uh, we are able to continue to work in an area of town that is often neglected. And so our mission And our hope at Asbury is that we would share the love and compassion of Jesus 
with everyone, but in particular, that particular community. And so we're trying to do our best to reach the last, the lost, and the least of God's children. And so you are helping make that possible. And for that, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your support of Asbury. Uh, thank you for your support of me. When, I, when right before the merger, many of you don't know this story, right before the merger, I was ready to get out of ministry. I said, I've had it. I started in 1997 when I took my first church in Del Rio, Texas, part of the Rio Grande Conference. And throughout those years that followed, ministry was hard, still hard. But by the time 2012 rolled around, I said, you know what, I've done this ministry thing. I'm ready to, I'm ready to call it quits. But God had a different plan. And through this merger, we've been able to move forward. And through this merger, uh, I've been able to finish seminary. So I praise God for that. Uh, I'm getting ready to be ordained uh, this June, Lord willing, if, if I answer the questions correctly. Praise God for that. And, and I've also been able to start the Doctor of Ministry program at Wesley Theological Seminary. And I praise God for that. And all that is possible because of your support. And so I say thank you. Very grateful for that. And so, enough of that. Let's, let, I know that I'm limited in time here. And, and when I was preparing the sermon, I, I was preparing like if I were preaching at Asbury. At Asbury, I usually pre, uh, preach for 30 minutes, right? For 30 minutes. And then I said, you know what? I better check and see how much time I have. And Donna says, you have 15. So Mary Lou's back there, and if I start going past that 15, she's going to play me off like if I were at the Academy Awards or something like that. Just, so I don't want y'all to worry that I'm going to go too long because she'll play me off, and that'll be nice. Uh, over at Asbury, we've been doing this sermon series called In Love. In Love. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about things like how do we build each other up in love? How do we move around our community and in our city and in our homes and in our churches in love? How do we give in love? And ultimately, how do we live in love? And so today at Asbury, Richard Zander, our worship leader, is taking them through that final sermon on the In Love series and teaching them uh, on on what it means to live in love. But what I'd like to do here is just take a kind of a mesh approach and just kind of touch on all the things we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. As we live and give in love, what does that mean for us? And so we've been taking the text out of Ephesians uh, going through the, the letter of the Ephesians. Now, a little bit, bit of background. Ephesians is a little different than the other epistle, uh, epistles that Paul wrote. Most of the other epistles are written to a specific congregation. Paul was writing a letter to address a situation in a particular church. And Ephesians is a little bit different. It's, it's more of a sermon to the entire church. It's not, it's not focused on one particular congregation, but the entire church. And so Paul is writing, and he's giving instructions on what it should look like 
to live as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. I think that still applies to us today, right? We're still looking for ways how we should live and respond in this world as believers and followers of Christ. And I would add to that as authentic and genuine believers and followers of Christ. Not as a casual follower of Christ. A casual follower of Christ is not really a follower. He's a fan of Jesus Christ. I like what he stands for. Oh, that, that, that's really nice. But is not surrendered to the idea of submitting his or her will to the will of God. And so this morning, I'd like for us to just take a few moments and, and see what it might look like if we would live and give as authentic and genuine followers of Jesus Christ. And so in the passage, if we look at the passage in verse 15 and 16, Paul gives us a pretty strong exhortation. Paul gives us a pretty strong message. He says, be very careful how you live. I want, I want us to, to focus on that word very. Let's, let's put a line under it. Let's bold it. And let's, let's look at that. Be very careful. He's not just saying be careful, right? He's stressing. Can I get close to you? Will you get scared if I get close to you? I don't bite usually, occasionally. Be very careful how you live. You see, Paul realizes and recognizes that, we're, that at that point, and even today, we're living in dangerous times. We're living in times that, that if you're not careful, could destroy you. And when I say by destroy you, I literally mean kill you. Definitely break your relationship with God to a point where you're not walking and talking with God the way God intended in the very beginning, right? God created us for a purpose. You know what that purpose is? To be in relationship with God. That's why we were created. And then he gave each one of us a divine purpose to live that out. And so Paul is writing to the Ephesians and to us in general, be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now we know that most wisdom you're not born with, right? How many of you like me, when you were young, or younger, let me put it that way, did some foolish things. Can I see a, a set of, a show of hands? If, if we're talking about me, I've got to put up my hands and my feet, and I've done some dumb things in my life. In fact, I was sharing with my children, or I was starting to share with my children, they're all uh, 16 and older, and I said, wait, well, I need to stop because I'm giving them too much information of the dumb things dad has done. But Paul is writing and says, be, be very careful. Don't live as unwise, but live as wise. 
making most of every opportunity. In other words, don't squander your time. You do realize that time is the only resource that you can never make more of. You, if you have money and you lose it, you can make more money. If you have a house and it burns down, you can build a new house. If you have a spot, well, I'm not going to go with that one. But, but time, time, once it's gone, it's gone. And you can't get it back. You can't buy it. You can't pray for more. And so Paul is encouraging, is exhorting, exhorting us. Extorting would be a bad word. Encouraging us to be careful, be very careful how we live and make use of the time that God has given us. And then he goes on to say, do not be foolish, but understand the will of God. First to be in relationship with you. And then to fulfill your divine purpose. Each one of you, each one of us has a divine purpose that we were created for. God has placed you here. And so Paul is encouraging us to find out what that is and to live it to the fullest. In 1989, there was a movie by uh, Robin Williams called Dead Poets Society where he served as a teacher, an English teacher, who tried to encourage his students to live life to the fullest, to make their life extraordinary. And he used the term carpe diem. Seize the day. Find out what God has called you for. Why you're here. And understand the will of God. And then the other thing he says, he shifts a little bit. And he says, and when you speak to each other, speak to each other with holy psalms. The songs from the heart. And so he's talking about our relationships with others. And what he's saying is the way you speak to each other, the way you treat each other matters. Treat each other, talk to each other in love. Oh, oh, we need that today, don't you think, especially in our country? We could use more love with all the political division, with all the pain that's going on, with all the separation. We could use more love. Back in the early 70s, uh, Burt Bacharach wrote a song that was made famous by a couple of singers. One of the, one of the last known to sing it really good and, and make it popular was Dionne Warwick. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. And so Paul is writing and say, when you deal with each other, when you interact with each other, when you talk to each other, do it with love. Words that build up and encourage and motivate not words that tear down and divide and separate. Because it matters. 
Because you matter. Because we matter. Talk to each other lovingly. And then he finally says in verse 20, and always give thanks to God the Father. And always give thanks to God the Father. But he adds another word there at the very end that I'd like to underline in bold. And that's the word everything. And always give thanks to God the Father for everything. You see, it's real easy to give thanks to God the Father when things are going good, right? When, when things are on your, on your side and, and you're winning and, 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 and things are positive. It's really easy to give thanks to God in those moments. It's really easy to say, thank you, Lord, for all the blessings. Thank you, Lord, for making me such a winner. Thank you, Lord, for making me so handsome. Oh, that's, that's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> but. He's saying, in everything, in the trials and tribulations of life, it's a little harder to have that attitude of gratitude. But Paul recognizes that during those times, during those trials, during those tribulations, during those struggles, that's where faith grows. That's where faith is strengthened. And it's important to recognize and give thanks for those moments. I can almost guarantee you that Janet was giving thanks to God as she was in that hospital room. And even now, as she continues to struggle with, and, and move forward with her rehabilitation, she's giving thanks to God. Because I know Janet. And there's no doubt in my mind. In everything, give thanks. And so that's how we're called to live. To be there for one another. To be willing to serve one another. To be willing to love one another. I'm reminded of a story I read in a book by Anne Lamont. Anne Lamont is the author of Traveling Mercies. But she wrote a book called Bird by Bird, and it's mainly about writing. And in the book, she tells the story. It's supposed to be a true story. I read it in the book, and then a couple of days later when I shared it with my wife, she said, oh, yeah, I heard that story. I said, where'd you hear it? I read it on Facebook. I said, here I am reading a book to learn something, and you're reading Facebook. How unfair is that? Anyway, here's the story. There's a little boy and a little girl. They're siblings, eight and six years old, and they're parents. And they find out that the little girl, the six-year-old, has leukemia. And so they go to the doctor, and the doctor says, the first thing we need to do is a, is a blood transfusion. She needs blood. And, and I'm almost positive that her little brother's going to be the closest match. And so they go to the little brother, and they say, can we test your blood to see if it matches your sister? And he says, of course, yes. And so they test the blood, and yes, it's a, it's a perfect match. And so the doctor's talking to the parents. The children are there, and I'm not... They're not really paying attention to there, but they're talking about very serious matters. And the doctor says, we really need to do this transfusion as quickly as possible. Her life depends on it. 
she will die if she doesn't get this transfusion. And so they go back to the little brother and he says, and says, can we take your blood so that your sister can live? And the little brother says, can I think about it overnight? Parents and the doctor say, okay, we've got time. And so it come back the next morning. The doctor goes to the little brother, so what did you decide, young man? Will you, will you give your blood for your sister to live? And the little boy says, yes, you can take my blood. And so they put him on a gurney, and they start taking a pint of blood out of him, and, and they have the little girl next to, to him lying down watching with an IV in her. And finally, the doctor walks in and asks him, how are you doing? Is everything okay? I, I just want you to know you're so brave for doing this. And the little boy says, I'm fine, doctor. But can you tell me when I'm going to start dying? He thought he was giving all of his blood and that he was going to die so that his little sister could live. And the doctor says, oh, no, son, we're just taking a little bit of your blood. You're going to be fine, and so is your sister. But the idea that he would be willing to give everything for his little sister is what I want to leave you with. Let us live and give in love. Would you pray with me? We just praise you, O oh God, for your son Jesus who gave himself that we might live. I just pray, oh God, that we would have that same willingness to live and give in love. To you be all the honor, glory, and praise. Amen.